0: Hey, everybody. What you are about to listen to is an episode of Am I Dying? Here at Offscript, we've taken the Am I Dying show, put a twist on it, and created the new Is It Serious podcast with Dr. Mark Lewis and Dr. Jean-Luc Neptune. Think of it this way. The Am I Dying docs discuss lots of symptoms, while the Is It Serious docs answer lots of questions. And all of the episodes are here on this feed for your listening pleasure. For new episodes, don't forget to subscribe, and thanks for listening the david letterman show is not on the air anymore dude oh, it's not what happened he was great i like how you call it the night show is, is
1: he really not on i was gonna actually have him on our podcast actually i saw him having sushi on the upper west side before he moved to uh no was it him or is, oh uh, the, the other one i keep confusing the two who's that tall one with the red hair conan conan i saw him on the upper west side seemed very nice
0: yeah he lives on the upper West side no he Sorry. doesn't
1: he lives in california
0: Hey everyone, it's Dr. Chris Kelly. And I'm Dr. Mark Eisenberg. And this is Am I Dying? A conversational podcast about your symptoms and what to do next. Hey everyone, today we are going to be talking about a little secret that we'd like to share with you, and that is the medications that you should actually have in your home at all times. Yes, we all have our medicine cabinets full, but are they filled with the things that they should be filled with? If you went into Mark's bathroom during a party and started rifling through his medicine cabinet, you'd find a lot of weird stuff, but you'd probably find these 10 medications somewhere in there. You know, there's a funny story
1: about that. People actually always worry someone's going to come into their bathroom and open up their medicine cabinet. So what they do is they put they put like all these marbles, like loud marbles, so that someone actually does open it, like flies out, and so everyone knows.
0: I have seen that before. I feel like it would be difficult to get the marbles or ping pong balls or whatever in there without them falling, but I, I guess I'm not a physicist. I've never tried it. Uh, So, okay. So, right. So the top 10 medications that you should have in your home, we're going to go through them one by one. We're going to talk about what they do, why you should keep them on hand, the scenarios in which you should use them. And uh, we're just going to count it down in no particular order.
1: Yeah. And also we are not being paid by any like company, pharmacy, anyone. These are just the 10 that we actually think everyone should consider having in their house.
0: Speak for yourself. Tylenol pays my mortgage, <laughs> I wish. Let's go ahead and start with the one I just mentioned, Tylenol. That's number one, aka acetaminophen. That is the generic name for Tylenol. It's virtually guaranteed that you have acetaminophen in your house. Well, because... you know something,
1: not not necessarily. It's so funny. Everyone replaced it with other stuff. Like you always hear about people taking, we'll get into the other ones later, but like Motrin and blah, blah, blah. And then people think that acetaminophen or Tylenol doesn't really do anything. But when COVID came out and it was that, you know, everyone's saying that the only thing you should be taking if you have pain pain for other reasons is acetaminophen, everyone started realizing, wow, actually Tylenol can actually help back pain and knee pain and blah,
0: blah, blah. Funny enough, because subsequently at COVID, it was said that you actually should be taking ibuprofen and other NSAIDs for COVID, even though at first they said you absolutely should not be taking those things. So go figure. Yeah. One of them is right. (laughs) That's true. But anyway, back to
1: Tylenol, acetaminophen, there's two different doses. The regular strength is 325 milligrams, and then the extra strength is 500 milligrams. So again, everyone always remembers talking about like, oh, take two Tylenol for a headache, blah, blah, blah. It seems like a pretty benign medication. Yes, it's a useful medication, but we'll get to it in a second, but you really can overdose on this. So you have to be careful don't just pop them like they're jelly beans
0: Tylenol is interesting because it is actually simultaneously one of the safest and most dangerous medications on the market it is very 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 safe with almost no side effects if you take it in the recommended quantities yes but it is actually the number one cause of over-the-counter drug overdoses in the united states and the number one cause of acute liver failure in the world. So
1: that's the issue. It could actually screw up your liver. So first of all, if you actually have liver problems or you're on medications, prescription medications that actually could affect your liver, speak to your doctor about whether Tylenol or acetaminophen is actually a good medication for you to ever take. But if it is, and it most likely is in most people, it turns out you have to be careful. Usually you should start with two regular or two extra strength to see if your symptoms go away. So again, let's say you decide to take two extra strength. That's basically a milligrams
0: most people who don't have any liver disease can take about 4 thousand milligrams in a day without any issue
1: which is eight you know I want to show off my math which is eight extra <laughs> strength Tylenol a day really we were told in medical school try not to go above four extra strength a day because the truth is if let's say you actually decide like I do whenever I have a headache I drink my motrin or my Tylenol down with a little beer. Um, actually, if you're drinking alcohol during that day, it could actually uh, cause the levels to actually be higher because it's affecting your liver.
0: Although if you're not drinking all day, every day, like my colleague here, then you're probably okay <laughs> taking I more know, than that.
1: To be honest, we should tell people, try not to have more than four extra strength a day and definitely not more than eight extra strength a day.
0: And the other thing, as I mentioned earlier, I said that acetaminophen is actually in a lot of medications and you probably have it in your house as a result. Make sure you recognize that acetaminophen is in NyQuil and DayQuil. It's in Percocet. It's in Vicodin. It's in uh, a lot of different medications out there in combination. And so if you're taking a lot of regular Tylenol, make sure that you account for that when you consider taking something that contains Tylenol because what we frequently see is people didn't realize how much acetaminophen Tylenol they were taking because they were taking it both alone and in combination medication. Yeah, like drinking
1: drinking DayQuil, you know, while they're taking their uh, Tylenol. And if you need help with the math, I'm there for anyone. Just text me or email me and I can figure out how many milligrams you have and how much you have left to
0: spare. So if I, if I take six, 325 milligram tabs over the course of the day, how many day quills can I take?
1: Now, now I feel under pressure. So let's get to, let's get to <laughs> medication number two, medication number two. Ready? Boom. Okay. So should we go by the more difficult name or the more common name?
0: The more difficult name, I want to hear you say it.
1: Diphenhydramine. Now, can anyone guess what the actual easy name for diphenhydramine is?
0: It's not fenfen, right?
1: (laughs) No. Anyway, it's Benadryl. So we all hear about Benadryl. So what's Benadryl used for, Chris? Let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, so Benadryl typically, historically rather, was used for allergies. So when people had hay fever, runny nose, itchy eyes, they would take Benadryl. Really fallen out of favor quite a bit. For that.
1: It's fallen out of favor. It's actually very effective. It actually does
0: work, but it's fallen out of favor because... If, if you let me finish my sentence, I would say that it has fallen out of favor because it also causes sleepiness. And the introduction some years back of second-generation antihistamines like uh, Zyrtec, Claritin, and, and others... Really, Zyzol.
1: Zyzol. It sounds like you're being paid for by like Zyrtec and Claritin. So zyzol, Allegra.
0: Yes. So so those medications are, are used much more frequently than Benadryl for allergies now because as second generation antihistamines, they do not go into the brain. And so they don't cause sleepiness. So you can take one at the start of your day and not be passed out at your desk. You know, by noon, or at least not for that reason.
1: Yeah. But actually, if you ever have hives or you have like an allergic reaction to something, especially with some medications, they could actually, well, first off, if you're having an allergic reaction to a medication that's causing shortness of breath and lip swelling, yes, you could take a Benadryl, but likely just call 911 or go to the emergency room as quick as you can. But definitely, if you have a rash or hives, try Benadryl. It's actually usually at 25 milligrams or 50 milligrams. Uh, it usually does the, the trick. Another thing Benadryl is actually very helpful for is if you. You can't sleep in fact a lot of sleep medications have a little benadryl in it
0: a lot of sleep medications are benadryl
1: gosh well, you're right and they just name it something else and charge you a fortune right yeah exactly
0: so if, you know, so many of these over-the-counter sleep medicines if you look at the active ingredient the only one is benadryl and they just mark it up why am i
1: spending so much money for nyquil
0: i don't know it's just benadryl and tylenol No so those are the things that you might want to keep diphenhydramine or benadryl in the house for it's just really cheap medication. so
1: so again good for hives and allergic reaction and regular allergies with itchy eyes and stuff and also good to help you sleep i mean don't take it every day one strange side effect uh especially in older people benadryl if i'm if i'm if i'm right is it can cause urinary retention right is that true chris
0: yeah dry mouth urinary retention can cause confusion in older adults so if it's really not something that you want to give to somebody in their late 70s 80s so on somebody with chronic mental health issues like alzheimer's and so forth uh, memory problems but uh, it can be very helpful uh, otherwise so number three on the list is going to be very related to number two and that is a second generation antihistamine which you should be using for your seasonal allergies yeah. and we went through some examples of them uh, but the brand names are Claritin, zyrtec allegra zyzol and the generic names are loratidine, cetirizine, vexafenidine. Those are great for seasonal allergies. I use them all the time.
1: I fell asleep with all with all those terms.
0: <laughs> well, maybe you took some Benadryl.
1: <laughs> so I don't know if it was the Benadryl I just took or listening to you <laughs> recite
0: every second generation <laughs> allergy pill. Okay, genius. If you're so funny and entertaining, why don't you talk about this one?
1: No, no, no. So it's definitely, it's definitely a great medication uh, if you're having an allergic reaction. Um, Seasonal
0: allergic reaction, like runny nose, itchy eyes, that kind of thing. Not if you're breaking out in hives.
1: No, no, no. That's true. But even if you're allergic to your cat or dog – and you still want to spend as much time with your cat as dog as possible, then definitely try loratadine or one of these other second-generation ones.
0: You could also just not get a cat that you're allergic to, but I guess that's too obvious.
1: Well, what if you—well, forget it. Okay, let's go to number four, which is also related, but this is actually—you use it a different way. It's uh, Flonase. It's a nasal spray. So you already have your uh, Tylenol for your headache. You already have your Benadryl for your— uh, big hive and now you have your claritin for your uh, allergic reaction to toto or whoever your dog is but what if none of that's working so flonase nasal spray is actually pretty effective and it's actually now over the counter
0: yeah so there's a bunch of different nasal sprays flonase is one of them Nasanex is another nasocort is another and these are steroids that you spray into your nose so if you have allergies that really predominantly manifest as runny nose or stuffy nose uh, or maybe even like sinus discomfort flonase and its similar medications are really effective they basically uh, spray your insides with steroids and reduce swelling and inflammation and reduce mucus production and they can be really great honestly these are often a much better solution for people with seasonal allergies, if the main symptom that they have, again, is a runny nose. If you have itchy eyes or cough, it's not going to be quite as effective, although yeah, the cough well, may I should actually cough, should too. Be, yeah,
1: because it's the post-nasal drip that's causing the pulse. So do people know you basically just put the Flonase in each nostril and spray once or twice? So one or two sprays in each nostril, and you could probably do it twice a day.
0: Yes, so um, that's...
1: One other thing, if you have a cold or a regular, like even during when you're having a cold symptoms, actually, this is also a great thing to pick up. Uh, nasal spray because a lot of times it's the symptoms of a cold that are driving us all crazy the runny nose and stuff so this can actually help with that
0: too oddly enough my wife says that it helps with my snoring i don't know if that's true and i i find it hard to believe but i think that if you have low grade sort of nasal stuffiness and swelling from allergies that probably will contribute to snoring and so if you treat that it'll get better when is your sleep apnea test uh yeah it's gonna be a little while it's hard to find a free night where i can pop over there
1: well, no, they went home, though, didn't they?
0: Yeah, they did. That's yeah. true. So should we get to number five? My problem went away with the flounder, so I don't even need it. <laughs> well, so you think. So let's go to- Did send the...
1: your wife sleep in the other bedroom? How would you know?
0: Thankfully, that's no longer true. Now that my snoring is better, she's come back to, to the- I'm just going to leave it there, actually. Okay, so number five. <laughs> so number five, and this is something that I find myself using quite a bit now, too, is an antacid. So aluminum hydroxide or other uh, different ones, magnesium-based ones, calcium-based ones.
1: I'm not a big fan.
0: Of antacids? Well, not those.
1: I like the real ones like, you know, pepsid, stuff like that, pepsidnexium. nexium. I mean, why mess around with these Tums and stuff like
0: that? I'm so glad that you bring this up. So if you just have acid reflux symptoms every now and then, like after eating a certain food or maybe after a large meal, then you can just pop some Tom's, there's other medications. Yeah, there's other medications you have to take every day.
1: Well, not necessarily, but yeah, my, my only thing with the Tums are all these people are taking because, you know, they taste good also, and they just keep popping them all day. Is that a thing? Are people no, using Tums because yeah. of flavor? Don't some of them have calcium in it too, and so you can actually go into like some weird calcium overdose.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're taking Tums multiple times a day, every single day, yeah. it's time to rethink your strategy, but I think it's definitely something good to have in the home, and if you're just not feeling so well, maybe a little nauseated after eating a big meal, or you feel that bitter taste in your throat when you lie down, uh, it's, it can really help a lot. And it works right away. So why don't we
1: have five? Five could be shared between,
0: since they're all similar. You could either do these
1: Tums-type stuff, or you could actually go get Pepsid. Uh, Zantac used to be popular but you know there's have some problems in the last year so that's pretty hard to get anyway but Pepsid AC right I mean that's also that that could work just as well I think it should share a number
0: right okay so it's a tie score for five okay so we're going to take a break Mark is going to go check his medicine cabinet again (laughs) we're only going to feature the PG things that you find in there uh, but he's going to take a look and see what other medications he's got hiding and we'll review the rest of our list so stick with us we will be right back get 80% off your impression kit when you use code wondery at that's Byte.com. that's b y t e.com start your confidence journey today with bite
1: okay and we are back and i did check my medicine cabinet but unfortunately i forgot to remove all those marbles
0: left... <laughs> think crashing on your feet
1: did i left a uh you know, for the party on Saturday night in case anyone actually went into it, it would uh, exploit them. Anyway, um, so now I've been cleaning those up for the last four minutes.
0: <laughs> Good luck with all that. Okay. So number six on our list is a cream actually, and it's hydrocortisone, which yeah. is a low-grade steroid cream. Which you could buy over the counter. It's funny when I am not a dermatologist, obviously. You're judging by <laughs> judging by my appearance by your your acne (laughs) nobody would ever guess you're a dermatologist it is funny most dermatologists have amazing skin well they kind of have to I don't know if there's some secret that they have.
1: I don't want to give the name, but at Columbia, where we both trained, uh, there was this cardiologist who's one of the most famous cardiologists from like two generations before us. And he was like morbidly obese and he used to sit and smoke all the time. I mean, who would go to a cardiologist that
0: smokes? My grandfather was a pediatrician and he would smoke in the patient waiting rooms. You're generation three? I am. Wow, impressive. Why, thank you. And one of my kids uh, will hopefully take over or they're all going to be cut out of the will. (laughs) Thankfully, it's a very small will, so it's pretty low risk for them. So back to hydrocortisone cream, when would you use it? But it's definitely
1: something that's pretty useful to have in your house.
0: Yeah, so hydrocortisone cream uh, can be very helpful for uh, a variety of small minor rashes. So if you have like a contact dermatitis, Maybe you wore a shirt that had been washed with a new detergent and now you have kind of like itchiness over one part of you. Well, likely if it's a contact
1: and it's all over your body, you might actually... You can see a doctor and actually figure out which which the problem culprit. Okay, is. let me think a better example. Go on let's a, say let's say you get a poison ivy or something. Poison ivy or a mosquito bite. Even with a mosquito bite, you have a bite and it really itches pretty bad. You know, put a little cortisone cream on it and it should go away pretty soon. You know, obviously yeah. most of us have stuff called like eczema or psoriasis, where all of a sudden you get these patchy, itchy spots on part of your body. I mean, clearly you should take a picture of it and show it to your doctor so you can actually get a proper diagnosis. And if it gets worse, there's really more. Useful treatments. But if you all all of a sudden have itchy eczema or psoriatic lesions on your body, you can put a little steroid cream on it.
0: Yeah. Great advice, Mark, for the general population. If you just have a psoriatic lesion, put a little (laughs) cortisone on it. I'm sure people are going to know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Okay. If you have a little rash on your arm and you don't know what it is, you know, just put a little cortisone cream on it and see if it goes away. How's that?
0: What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. It's probably good to mention some of the things that can go wrong. If you if it's infected, if you have a rash that's infected, so there's pus coming out of it, or it's in a high friction area and it's a little sore and well, raw and to go to
1: a doctor or a local walking clinic and have to yeah. really look at it to see if you need something a little more useful for that
0: yeah you don't want to put a steroid cream on an infected rash that's no. going to make things worse no
1: but number seven is also an ointment right so we got to six but number seven is an ointment too which can actually be used. should we should you tell our our guests what number seven is
0: just antibiotic cream
1: uh, or ointment or whatever. Acetricin, polymixin. Yeah, it's another thing you could also use.
0: We always have a steady supply of this on hand in the Kelly household. We have young kids who are constantly scraping themselves. And it uh, is is great if you're putting a Band-Aid on something, just slab a little uh, gallop of this on there and it will help uh, prevent infection. Mm-hmm. So that's number seven. Uh,
1: by, by the way, the other th- creams that people sometimes they also have, they sometimes have antifungal in it too, right? So. Um, you know, especially if you have, you know, um, you know, your feet look like they could have a fungal infection or around your groin, which has another term too, which I don't know if we're allowed to say that on, on the,
0: on I think you are,
1: well, I'm not going to say it. You say it well, like jock itch. Yeah. I'm not talking. I, I You're not going to say the word jock itch. Really? No. Why would I? Oh <laughs> if i have you saying it. Anyway, but you have to specifically look for like the antifungal stuff in that too. It should say antifungal cream on that. So especially with the feet, it's antifungal. But a lot of them now have like these bacitricin, what they call like the, you know, the the three of them with the antifungus. It sort of treats everything,
0: right? If you need jock itch cream, you could also just open Mark's medicine cabinet, but you will have to deal with the marbles, unfortunately. No, 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 no.
1: But anyway, uh, honestly, if this doesn't go, any of your rashes don't go away after, you know, one or two days or they start to get worse, especially after using what cream you're using, please go see your doctor.
0: Yeah. Okay. Numero ocho. We are up to Pepto-Bismol. I love Pepto-Bismol. I kind of like the taste. It does taste good, doesn't it? Yeah. Better than Tums. A little sweet little taste to it. I don't know. Some, some Tums taste really good, I must Pepto-Bismol,
1: say. Pepto-Bismol, really, it's the one thing you should definitely, definitely have in your house, which I don't even think I have in a mine once, come to think of it now. When, when
0: do you use Pepto-Bismol?
1: No, like if you all of a sudden like have like nausea, vomiting, or you have severe diarrhea, it's actually the best thing you should gulp down.
0: Don't give it to kids, though. I don't have any kids yeah thank god you weren't talking to
1: me you were talking to
0: (laughs) i was talking to the i was speaking toward the fourth wall
1: That's assuming someone else is listening to this podcast
0: (laughs) besides me mark's mom don't give it to young kids uh aspirin in general uh and there is some in this can cause problems with kids so don't don't give it to kids Okay, let's move on.
1: Yeah, so wait, 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 that's important. So nobody realized that. Pepto-Bismol does have a little as- aspirin in it.
0: Okay, let's uh, move on. Number nine is pseudoephedrine. Hmm. Pseudoephedrine is a decongestant. It's really powerful. Uh, it actually has to be purchased from behind the counter because it can be used to cook meth. But provided you're not trying to start an amateur meth lab in your home, then you might find pseudoephedrine helpful if you're really congested. So um, let's say that you have just really severe congestion in your face, sinuses. I would probably, as a first stop, try one of those nasal steroid sprays we talked about earlier, like Flonase or Nasacort. But if that's not doing it for you, then you could try Pseudoephedrine and that may uh, get you feeling better pretty soon.
1: A lot lot of people know this by the name Pseudoephed. Right. And also, if you have like Claritin or Allegra, if they have the... Big capital letter D afterwards, so yeah. it's Allegra D, Claritin D, that's basically pseudoephedrine, a decongestion that it contains in it. Why, why is it D? Why isn't it
0: P? Allegra P? For Claritin decongestant. P. Oh. Decongestant. Why would it be P? For pseudoephedrine?
1: Well, I guess, yeah, you're right.
0: You think they're going to take a silent P and put it in size okay, you, 48 you make months your right point. on the box? You would never guess I was valedictorian. Yeah, right. I wasn't valedictorian. <laughs> you and the president, right? <laughs> uh, so one thing, since we're cardiologists, we should probably point out, pseudofedrine can raise your blood pressure a little bit. It's really not as big of an issue as people make it out to be, and I really don't think that people who have hypertension need to avoid it necessarily, as long as they're not using it frequently. Yeah. Um, but if you just want to use it every now and then, um, as long as your blood pressure is not totally wildly out of control, it should be okay.
1: But another symptom as cardiologist at this pseudoephedrine or anything with a big letter D afterwards has in it is it can cause palpitations so yeah. sometimes people can actually take it and all of a sudden they get fluttering in their chest in fact when someone's actually sees me in the office and they have new onset palpitations I always ask them and the thing is when you ask people what medications do you take everyone always forgets to mention one of these 10 medications we're talking about because nobody really sees these as medications but they are medications even if
0: you don't take it on a regular basis anything that goes in your mouth that isn't food is a medication okay number 10 I
1: always have this with me. Always. Always.
0: Morning after pill?
1: (laughs) Ibuprofen, also known as Motrin, also known as Advil. Actually, it's a great pain reliever, but it does have some side effects too and some some potential problems. But Advil is definitely with, you know, if Tylenol is not doing it for you, then Advil is great medication for, um, or Motrin for back
0: pain, headaches, arm pain, a lot of pain. Yeah, really great for headaches, joint pains, and so forth. Can be used actually for inflammatory autoimmune diseases too, but we would recommend if it's for pain that you try Tylenol first yes. because as cardiologists, we always give a little side eye to NSAIDs like ibuprofen because they can cause worsening high blood pressure or some problems with the heart, problems with the kidneys. I mean, if you're just taking it on a you know once every few months basis, it's going to be fine. But if you're using them regularly, it's probably better to use um, acetaminophen or Tylenol rather than ibuprofen. So
1: all the ibuprofen is one of the, what it's called an NSAID, N-S-A-I-D. It's non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug and, you know, Aleve is one of them, Naproxen, Advil, Motrin, so they're all of the same family. Uh, They can cause stomach upset, so they can actually, if you have pre-ulcers or gastritis or reflux, they can actually make it much worse. Uh, Clearly, these should not be used in anyone who has any type of bleeding problem. They shouldn't be used in anyone who's on any type of blood thinner, like if you're on like Eliquis or uh, Zoralto or Pradoxa or cuminin Warfarin. Uh, and if you have kidney problems, you shouldn't really, or you should at least speak to your doctor about whether you should be able to take any of this at all. So again, they're great pain relievers, uh, especially if you also have a, a fever. Remember, Tylenol, and this can also stop fever too, or get the fever better, back to normal.
0: So Mark, I think some listeners might be a little surprised that we, two cardiologists, don't have aspirin on our list. Oh, no,
1: I was going to tell you, should that be number 11? Although theoretically, 12, because I added to the aluminum hydroxide,
0: we also added like pepsin. So I actually don't. I think that aspirin is still way overused in general. I mean, if you have had a heart attack or a stroke, then obviously you should be taking aspirin in almost all cases, and your doctor is going to recommend that to you. But the evidence in favor of aspirin for people who have not had those things is getting increasingly there by the year people used to take a full aspirin which is 325
1: milligrams and then they knocked it down to a baby aspirin well actually two baby aspirin 162 and then they knocked it down to a baby 81 and now we're just telling people really speak to your doctor but the evidence shows you know, if you don't have a history of a stroke or a heart attack for prevention, you know, only a certain population of people are actually, can it be useful in. When we mean useful, it's not that it's not useful in the others, but the risks of bleeding or other problems outweigh
0: the usefulness of it. And then, you know, people always say, well, you should have aspirin at home just in case you ever have a heart attack, you can start chewing it right away. and And that's potentially true, except there's two issues with that. Number one, there's no evidence that taking it at the onset of symptoms versus 10 minutes later when the ambulance arrives leads to materially different outcomes. And number two, there's a lot of things that can cause chest pain besides a heart attack. And sometimes chewing aspirin is not the best idea. No, actually, if
1: you're having aortic dissection, which is when the large artery outside your heart dissects, you you can make the situation worse. So I think we've probably scared the heck out of people. You know, when I did the cardiology boards, the first question was, what is the real name for aspirin? Do you even know it?
0: Acetylsalicylic acid. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I just didn't know if you still remembered, and it was strange that I actually I got that question right. But
0: now you're gonna get a letter from the American College of Cardiology for giving away board's questions. Well, I already got a letter for not paying my
1: dues. But anyway, the um the truth is nobody ever says, "Do you have a acetylsalicylic acid?"
0: Right. Well, Mark, I don't know about you, but I have learned a lot during this past, I think this was a three-hour podcast we did today.
1: <laughs> anyway, so it's useful to have some medications on hand. So hopefully this was a little helpful.
0: Yep. Keep these 10 medications in your medicine cabinet. You will be ready for 95 plus percent of situations. And for the other five, call your doctor or when there's any doubt, call your doctor and they can help guide you. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Am I Dying is a production of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Andrew McDowell is our senior producer. Karen Lee is our production manager. Darren Tan is our production intern. Am I Dying is recorded, mixed, and edited by Ariel Nachman. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments and feedback. For more information, visit offscript.com.